0: Welcome to the Wayside Podcast. I'm Robert Killingsworth. The audio for this episode comes from a sermon that was given during one of our Sunday services. We hope you are encouraged and inspired by today's word. So we have... Reach the the last in our series on Psalm 107. You might wonder how long we're going to stretch it out for. And it might be good news that we're finishing up to you. It might be bad news. But this is where we are. Uh, We are finishing Psalm 107. And we've called this series Songs of the Redeemed. Because this psalm opens with this invitation to confess what God has done as his redeemed people who he has gathered from all kinds of different walks of life and different parts of the world as he's called them out, confess what God has done for you. Tell a story, sing the song. And then over the last four weeks, we have gone through four different stories of God's redemption that Psalm 107 lays out. In the different stories, God rescues his people from the desert and from wilderness. In another story, he rescues his people from being in chains and being imprisoned. In the third, he rescues his people from affliction and sickness. And in the fourth, he rescues them from the storms of being at sea. And in each of these stories and kind of lays out the situation of what the people were in, their desperation that they were facing. And then they cry out to the Lord in their distress, and he rescues them. He redeems them. There's this kind of repeated refrain. They cry out to the Lord, and he rescues them. He brings them out to a a safe and good space. And so that's where we've been the last four weeks. And in the reading today, there's a slight kind of change of focus. If where each of those last four stories focus on kind of where the people were, right, what they were facing, the different situations they were in, here our attention shifts to the one who does the rescuing, the one who is the redeemer. He focuses a little bit more on God and a little bit less on the situation the people were facing. So the first one is we hear that God is the God who can turn rivers into a desert, right? And he does so, he dries up the rivers because of the wickedness of people's sin. He is also the God in the second part who can turn the desert back into rivers and provide for his people and bring them into a place where they can be safe, where they can uh, plant crops, where they can have cattle and herds and, and be fruitful and multiply. And then in the third one, now just so that you know, translating the Psalms is really tricky because Hebrew is hard at the best of times, and even harder still when you're in the Psalms. So you'll find translation to translation varies a bit, so you might look at the, the NIV translation in your worship book and kind of go, this doesn't make sense. I'm just going to ask you to trust me, and if you don't, we can go for coffee and we can talk more about it. That's fine. Either way. But in this third one, my money would be On it being about the God who, when the people of God, in their life together, there are some who are using their position to lord it over others. And there are people amongst God's people who are then suffering oppression and abuse at the hands of those who are lording it over them. But in this third one, God comes in. He is the one who brings down nobles, who brings down princes, and raises up the needy um, of the people of God and lifts them out of their suffering. Okay, so those are the three kind of pictures that we have of of who this God is, who redeems, and who rescues. And so I want to just reflect for a few minutes about what we learn about God in this last half of the psalm. When we are in the situations from the first half of the psalm, and we're crying out to God in our distress, who are we crying out to? What is his nature? What is his character? What can we depend on and what can we trust in? And so I think the first thing that this psalm shows us about our God who redeems is that he really is the source of all. He really is able. He really is powerful over all things, right? He is he is not limited, he is not bounded in the way that we are. Uh, When I was 11, um, and I'd been to France, which is like a day trip from England, but apart from that, I hadn't really travelled much. But when I was 11, I got to go with my family to India. Uh, We had friends who were missionaries there, and we went out to spend one Christmas with them. And we went to a town called Fatipasikri. And this is uh, one of the images if you went to Fatah Sikri today this is kind of what you would see. Um and it is it's a it's a town kind of outside of Agra which is where the Taj Mahal is. And this city was founded in 1571 by Emperor Akbar. And Emperor Akbar was the third emperor of the Mughal Empire, not the Mongol Empire. My, I t- told my husband about it. He's like, oh, you mean the Mongol Empire? I'm like, no, I don't. I mean the Magal Empire. And it was a huge, vast empire across South Asia for several centuries. And uh, Akbar was the third emperor. And he basically founded this city on a whim. He was, you know, looking at the, the vastness of the empire, its strength, its significance. And he wanted to build a city kind of to glorify it. And so Fata Pasikri actually means city of victory. City of victory. And it was the seat of the empire. So let's look at a couple of these images, because the architecture is really quite astounding. I mean, if you think they didn't have the engineering that we have today, and yet this is the city they built. And if we look in the next slide, you'll see the ornate carvings and intricacy and the beauty of this city. And there's one more. Isn't it glorious? I mean, absolutely beautiful. What an accomplishment. The city was founded in 1571. By 40 years later, it was completely abandoned. Why was it completely abandoned? because there was not a reliable water source. We have strength, right? We can accomplish things. We can build things. We can do good and beautiful things in this world. But we are created, we are limited, and we are dependent. If there is no water, we are not gonna survive for very long. It's easy for us to get away from that, because we get caught up in the busyness of our lives, and sometimes we get caught up in our own hubris. I know for me, and I'm guessing it's not just me, during the icepocalypse, my priorities suddenly got a little bit more basic when I was trying to figure out how do we conserve our water supply? And there we were with great big Tupperware, like any, any plastic container, we would put outside under the eaves so as the snow melted off the roof, we could contain it and then use it for non drinking purposes, so we didn't have to waste the precious clean water supply. Suddenly, I realized a little bit more of how I am a creature in creation. I am bounded. I am limited. You take away my electricity. You take away my water. I'm struggling. I'm just glad that I had a gas supply and a gas stove to boot. But that is not God. That is not our God. He is not bound or limited. He is not part of creation. If a river dries up, he doesn't kind of go, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to accomplish my purposes. God is powerful and able in a way that we can scarcely begin to understand because of the ways in which we are limited. We are the ones who are dependent upon water. Here in Psalm 107, God is the one who dries up rivers and turns deserts into rushing streams. Our God is able. He is the source of everything. He is the origin, he is the author of all, not the other way around. And the second thing that I notice in this psalm is that God is a God who is personally involved. He's invested. God is not indifferent. And distant. He does not stand far off and away from us. And for me, one thing I have learned in kind of going through this particular psalm is that there seem to be, to me, two key areas where God really seems to get involved. The first is in relation to sin, and the second is in relation to suffering when he sees his people abounding in sin and forgetting his will, when he sees his people desperate in suffering and pain and oppression. God doesn't just sit silently by and kind of go, well, it's up to them. Our God is a God who is involved, who responds, who intervenes when we cry out to him. Both of these things, whether it is sin or it is suffering, both are an expression of the presence of evil in our world and in our lives and even among God's people. And God is opposed to evil. And he puts a limit on our sin. He doesn't want us to abound in that. He sees the damage that evil does to the image of God and his people. And he wants to lift them out of it and take them to a new place where they are safe and whole and able to work and live and multiply. That is what God does. Now, sometimes we might wonder if God really does do that. We might look around and kind of look at the injustice and the evil and the sin around us, within us. But it's not only this psalm that teaches us that God sees this and he intervenes and he deals with it. We see that, of course, in what God has done in the cross and what he will do when he comes again. The cross broke the power of evil. Jesus' death on the cross was an act in... It, it, I'll tell you what, theologians get really hung up on, well, the cross is all about X, or it's all about Y, or it's all about Z, or Z, if you're English. I think it can be all three. I don't want to have, you know, I will have my cake and eat it, thank you. Right. So the cross can be about Jesus standing in solidarity with those who are victim to suffering and oppression. And being the perfect innocent sacrifice subject to the evil of man. Yes. It can also be, and it also is, Jesus taking the weight of our guilt and sin and being in a perfect atonement and offering for that that can reconcile us back to God and through which we can be forgiven and made whole. It can be both of those things, people. That's what Scripture teaches. That's what Scripture tells us. The cross has broken the power of evil. And yesterday we might, not yesterday, yes, today, (laughs) We might see things around us and within us that don't, aren't fully resolved, aren't fully healed, aren't fully forgiven. That means the story isn't finished yet. That means there is more to go. That means that we have to remind ourselves that yes, God has dealt with these things and he will come again and fully deal with them one day. God is the source of all. He is powerful over all. He is able. And God is a God who responds to his people, who will not stand silently by. And then thirdly, thirdly, all of God's work, all of his work of redemption, his rescue, the stories and the songs that he gives us, all of them, are an expression of his love. All of them are an expression of his love. The psalm concludes with this in verse 43. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Now, loving deeds kind of sounds a little bit vague, uh, but the Hebrew here talks about the hesed, right? the, the committed, fierce, faithful, covenant, promised love of God. And it is because of this covenant love, his care and concern for his people, it is from his love that he disciplines his people and to rescue them from their sin, to help them see it, come to terms with it, and live differently. It is from his love that he lifts people out, lifts his people out of suffering, out of oppression, and wants to bring them to a new place and life. This is the shape of God's love for us. It is shaped by His work of redemption. It is in order to bring us to wholeness, to peace, to be the people He has created us to be, as part of His new creation, as part of His kingdom. And the invitation where Psalm 107 lands is if we have eyes to see, if we have wisdom to get it, we will see it. And the the psalmist says, ponder on these things. Understand them. Come to see the love of God for what it is. Come to see the God who redeems and rescues you from, yes, evil that you have committed and, yes, evil that has been done against you. Come and see the God who intervenes. Come and see the God who is able. Come and see the God who is love. I want to wrap up today. and I'm going to read through the whole of the psalm. I'm going to read through it from the message translation with a couple of tweaks because I couldn't help myself. And I am going to invite you just to kind of take a big deep breath and just to sit back. You can close your eyes if you want to, stare into the middle distance and just hear these words. Hear the invitation of the psalmist to see what God has done, to see the shape of his love, the God who is able to rescue, the God who does not stand idly by. And let him speak to you. Oh, thank God, he's so good. His love never runs out. All of you set free by God, tell the world. Tell how he freed you from oppression, then rounded you up from all over the place, from the four winds, from the seven seas. Some of you wandered for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live, half-starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Then, in your desperate condition, you called out to God. He got you out in the nick of time. He put your feet on a wonderful road, then took you straight to a good place to live. So thank God for his marvellous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He poured great draughts of water down parched throats. The starved and the hungry got plenty to eat. Some of you were locked in a dark cell, cruelly confined behind bars, punished for defying God's word, for turning your back on the high God's counsel. A hard sentence and your heart so heavy and not a soul in sight to help. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition and he got you out in the nick of time. He led you out of your dark, dark cell, broke open the jail and led you out. So thank God for his marvellous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He shattered the heavy jailhouse doors, he snapped the prison bars like matchsticks. Some of you were sick because you'd lived a bad life, your bodies feeling the effects of your sin. You couldn't stand the sight of food, so miserable. You thought you'd be better off dead. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition and he got you out in the nick of time. He spoke the word that healed you, that pulled you back from the brink of death. So thank God for his marvellous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Offer thanksgiving sacrifices. Tell the world what he's done. Sing it out. Some of you set sail in big ships. You put to sea to do business in faraway ports. Out at sea, you saw God in action, saw his breathtaking ways with the ocean. With a word, word, he called up the wind, an ocean storm, towering waves. You shot high in the sky. Then the bottom dropped out. Your hearts were stuck in your throats. You were spun like a top. You reeled like a drunk. You didn't know which end was up. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. And he got you out in the nick of time. He quieted the wind down to a whisper, put a muzzle on all the big waves. And you were so glad when the storm died down and he led you safely back to harbour. So thank God for his marvellous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Lift high your praises when the people assemble. Shout hallelujah when the elders meet. God turned rivers into wasteland, springs of water into sun-baked mud. Luscious orchards became alkali flats because of the evil people who lived there. Then he changed wasteland into fresh pools of water, arid earth into springs of water, brought in the hungry and settled them there. They moved in. What a great place to live. They sowed fields, they planted vineyards, they reaped a bountiful harvest. He blessed them, and they prospered greatly. Their herds of cattle never decreased. But abuse and evil and trouble brought them low, so he heaped scorn on their leaders and sent them away. He gave the poor a safe place to live, treated their clans like well-cared-for sheep. Good people, see this. And are glad. Bad people are speechless. Stopped in their tracks. If you are really wise, you'll think this over. It's time to appreciate God's deep love. Amen. Thanks for listening. The Wayside Podcast is a ministry of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. It was created by Ryan Presley and the Reverend Wesley Arning. It is executive produced by Robert Killingsworth. The theme music was written and recorded by Robert Killingsworth. If you're interested in life at St. Martin's, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at St. Martin's Episcopal Church.